Jesus Christ, our Savior, was born on Christmas Day. Do we know any more words? I'm not sure if I can say. But tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy, tidings of comfort and joy. we go welcome to the cbgs podcast very good morning to you paul very good morning to you ben i thought then we should have (laughs) although i love our jingle very much we should have had a a a christmas perhaps a christmas rendition of it or a christmas carol Mm. um you're a good singer aren't you you could (laughs) you could uh, you could mock us up a christmas carol stitched up on radio live by ben eltham and within all within 30 seconds as well thanks ben so how has the week been? Tell me about some of the things going on this week. Um, yeah, probably the most interesting thing uh, this week. So it's actually quite nice to be back in um, Home Towers uh, recording studio because uh, on Tuesday I did a podcast on uh, R&D tax credits at Business News Wales uh, and I was delighted that they actually had the same equipment as us. So that made me feel very, very uh, like a proper expert in the field. Um, so that was that was quite interesting. I think it was... Uh, Darren Manor still Talbot's debut um, talking, so he was a bit nervous to start with, but he he did a good job. So that was um, that was quite interesting. And um, moving forward, uh, which is always good to sort of feel that uh, what you're doing is being recognised. So two two very exciting things looking forward. One is um, in the expos next year. Uh, I've been asked they've been they have asked me to change the format from a conventional presentation to what's going to be called the wait debate. What a great name that How is. How cool is that? Yeah. So I'm going to do a shorter talk, and there's going to be a panel, uh, and then it's going to be like a question time event called the Wait Debate. So, uh, and uh, and I've been asked to be the compare and the auctioneer at the um, Southwest Business Awards, and that's early next year. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's yeah, great so, news. Yeah. So that's uh, that's probably uh, the most interesting thing I can think of I've done this week, other than cycle round my old village. On my bicycle, one of my bicycles now lives in uh, the office, so that I can go cycling in the daytime in these dark winter months. It's always a brave time of year to go cycling. I, th- I feel my mountain bike stays in the shed for most of the winter months, and it's something that I'm trying to perhaps to, to coin a business phrase that we use: disrupt that <laughs> sequence and get the mountain bike out. Yeah, it'd be a wuss. I think we should probably talk a little bit about Christmas today. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I was excited by Christmas <laughs> because I, I'm I'm in my I'm in my thirties and I don't have children. Don't rub so, it in, don't rub it in. So for me, that's uh, you're in a, a, a bit of a, a bracket there where Christmas doesn't quite have the same um, impact as maybe it does when you're younger and when you have children. But what were your thoughts on Christmas? Where do you stand on Christmas? Is it your favourite time of year? Um, well, I, would, I, don't, I don't know about favourite time of year. That's quite a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, um, I have I have different thoughts on what you said, really. Uh, first thing is, all my life, which hasn't changed, no matter how old I'm supposed to be, uh, I just am fascinated by lights. I just love, I like even, so for instance, you know, looking down on the city yeah. at night, you know, captivates me. So I'm a real sucker for the old-fashioned barrel lights, any colour, you know. I just love Christmas trees, the smell, you know, the smell of the tree, yeah, smell of the Christmas market. 
you know that coffee smell, the 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 food smell. So yes, uh, I'm I'm a big I'm a big Christmas fan. Um, I had a bit of a sulk this week because I always insist on my Christmas decorations being up in the office at, on the first of December because Tina was out. They only they only put up yesterday, so I had to survive until the fifth of December, which was really disappointing. I think the, the the fact that you've said I had to survive until the 5th of December just really emphasizes the passion that you have for Christmas. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, I just think, you know, as you know, I'm quite a cheery sort of person. And I just think, you know, obviously, you know, we work hard. So the other, the other, the, the other point I'd make about Christmas from, you know, and, and people like Ben and JP and, and Darren would, would, would greatly understand this. We're all, we were so busy you know, what did I say to Darren the other day? We were walking back from Business News Wells to the Arms Park, and I said I was demoral. I had a demoralizingly large backlog. <laughs> I think is what I said. Um, so, you know, this week for me, apart from being out for two days in a row, Monday and Tuesday, for the second week in a row, which is um, you know quite disruptive to use our favourite word, um, I've spent the last two days really getting my hands dirty. You know, uh, you know, doing um, doing a lot of sort of um, I suppose technically difficult work, um, undoubtedly got a little bit behind. Um, so Christmas for us and Aspen Way is a is a, a period of, of huge intensity of work. You know, it's, it's very pressurising. You know, we try to finish uh, uh, on Christmas Eve because um, obviously we have a, we have a responsibility to our clients, many of whom have December year ends, and um, you know we we might have we might have twenty claims to file say, by now, to, to the end of the month. So Chris, the, Christmas, the Christmas passion, as you put it, is slightly blighted by the realisation also that it is, is a period of, of very hard work. But, but also, for me, uh, I've always... I can't remember uh, ever not working on Christmas Eve, even when I was a trainee at Deloitte's. Uh, I used to work till 12, then drive back to the West Country. Um, and it's, 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 I find it... To go to work and then go home for the afternoon and then have some nibbles, you know, and a glass of champagne, and then know that you've got 10 days off uh, is, is a huge motivation for me. It's a good feeling. See, I, I'm, I'm a quite a happy-go-lucky person, I think, <laughs> and I really enjoy the idea of Christmas, but for some reason, I seem to, ver- to, to think of it as a very concise and very structured thing, and, uh, and I'm one of these people that would probably have Christmas dinner and then uh, say, right, that's it, get the decorations down, <laughs> get the tree down, we've done this, we've, done, we've, we've set this up, we've done mm-hmm. all the presents. Um, speaking of presents, do you... Um, do you get yours online, or uh, do you like to go to the shops? I think um, historically, to be fair to me, I've always, I, I think I buy good presents. You know, I'm someone who I think as a as a character, I'm an empathic person. You know, which which dominates how I deal with people anyway, at work and out of work. So I do put quite a lot of thought into um, what I might, uh, and, and also who um, you know who deserves things. So. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've done this year, for instance, is um, I've either given uh, ladies in Aspen Weight, uh, most of them either pay rises or um, some sort of gift. Ross is just Ross coming is trying with tea. to steal my tea. Uh, <laughs> I think Ross is cast as the the wicked Christmas troll. 
the, so. the best thing about that was Ross tried so delicately to sort of creep in without making any sort of noise and then failed at the last with a T. Thanks, Ross. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, I do think it's, I think it's, a good, it's a good time of the year to mark one's appreciation of another individual. Doesn't matter who that individual is. So I do, I do, I think, give an uncommon amount of thought to, um, to thanking people uh, in, in, in an appropriate way, you know, what's appropriate to them, I guess, you know, in, and one of the good things about knowing lots of people and having clients across, so, you know, for instance, one of my best friends is Mel Curtis, who owns Winter in Venice, so she actually makes her own uh, very high-class cosmetics, you know, so I, obviously I can order a whole range of very superior products, you know, at a quite a good price because she's a friend. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so I'd say uh, historically uh, I would be renowned for being someone, people say, oh, you know, you're lucky to have that, you know. And I and I, I used to, for instance, um, take a day off work and go shopping in places like Limington or Brockenhurst, you know, to quaint little shops that I wouldn't normally get and, and, and buy very unique presents. You know, so the person, the person, you know, living obviously in Somerset, uh, wouldn't wouldn't have been able to buy that sort of thing. Increasingly, I guess um, I've become uh, a child of online shopping. So I tend to buy most of my clothes myself. Uh, there's a fabulous, if you don't, there's a fabulous um, uh, tailor's online called Brook Taverner, and I buy pretty much all my suits, uh, socks, and ties and stuff from them. So it all gets delivered to the office. Um, you know, really good brands at, at, at good price. And, um, you know, for the most part these days, I tend to get given lists of jewellery and things to buy, and I go online and I buy them. So I'd, I'd say it, it's become increasingly uh, an online purchasing experience for me. I, like, I do like a physical purchase of a present and i think there's something there is there is something magical about christmas shopping and, and going and yeah. you know you have all the bags and you've always got one bag that has about three uh, uh rolls of wrapping paper just sticking out that as you walk to the car park you're just slightly worried that it's going to just roll out and you're, you're only going to end up with two but it's interesting because it, it's it, the shops have really felt the pinch really the retailers some of the shops of the last 10 years and i, I read this week that Last year was actually the worst year for retailers at Christmas for 10 years since 2008. And obviously the, one of the big pieces of news uh, at the end of last week was that Clintons were going to be bailed out um, mm-hmm. for Christmas. And um, it would have been a, a, a travesty, to quote the words of, of the article that I read, if, if, if Clintons weren't around this Christmas. And it was that touch and go. Um, and one of the things that I did like about um, reading about Clintons was the fact that they said that they'd failed to keep up with um, consumer behaviour. And it's interesting for car, for Christmas cards because there's so many places to buy online and I and did make me wonder what Clintons could do to keep up with consumer behaviour and how shops approach that challenge at Christmas. You buy all your stuff online, I mean... Is it just a case of getting a better online platform? Well, I'll get my Christmas cards made made by Aspen Weight. Yeah, there we go. So, hey. But is it just a case of just getting a better online platform? Is that is that um, you know recognizing consumer behaviour by saying right, we need a really good website? Yeah, I think you know um, this is this is obviously a hot subject for me because I talk about marketing and disruption a lot when I'm doing keynote speeches. Um, so I think, you know, it, 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 it doesn't really matter whether you're selling cards, pizzas, um, 
ribbons or cosmetics or clothes. Uh, I think any any business owner needs to understand who their customer is. You know, who who is my ideal customer? Who is my market? What is my market? And then it's uh, incredibly important that uh, yeah, this is the point I make a lot is you have to constantly evolve. So you know, one of my sayings is you know what's good enough today isn't good enough tomorrow. What's good enough tomorrow isn't good enough. So you have to evolve every day. You have to be stronger as a person, stronger as a business. You need to keep up with trends. And I would think almost certainly uh, any anybody in retail um, has to have, uh, I think the word would be relevant, a relevant online presence. So with, I, was, I was going to ask the question, would Clintons be missed? And I think it, I tried to think of how much I would use Clintons and I did go in there when I did some Christmas shopping last week. Um, but they, they, as far as them adjusting, probably isn't a, a way to buy the cards online at Clinton. So maybe that would be, like you say, you've, you've just got cards, Aspen weight cards. Many businesses would do the same. Mm-hmm. People tend to buy maybe packs of cards now and maybe Clinton's um, for Christmas just aren't adjusting in the right way. No, I mean, the Christmas card market is quite interesting, you know, without getting too specific about it. I mean, I can remember, um, let's say, 15, 20 years ago in Aspen Wait, I would literally write 100 Christmas cards myself, post them out. I'd probably have something like that given back to me. And I think every year, the number of Christmas cards one receives is less and less and less. So you either don't, people don't either send a card anymore... And of course, you get these, well, which I think are pathetic to see these these emailed cards, um, which, to me, uh, I know, so anyone that sends me one, I'm really sorry if I offend your sensibilities. I always sit there and I think, don't bother. You know, what's the point of what's the point of sending me an image on a, you know, in an email? Yeah. To be honest, you know, I can't see, really see a lot of points. Um, I'd probably rather someone looked me in the eye and said, "You're a good chap," you know, or something, you know. I th- it's interesting, but a lot of people say to, to me when I ask the question, because it fascinates me, Christmas cards, and if people still send them, they say, no, we don't send Christmas cards anymore. Just we, we say happy Christmas on Facebook to the people that, you know, <laughs> are, are living far away that we, we won't see. And I think that's a crying shame because there's nothing better than a... I still think people should write letters to each other because there's nothing yeah, no, better than that, receiving yeah. a letter that's been handwritten yeah. uh, on the envelope. But I think Clintons will be okay because there is a real resurgence. We've mentioned this before. Um, vinyl records would be a good example. I think the stat, another stat that I read last week was they've sold more tapes in the last year than they have in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people are getting away from technology. It's becoming fashionable to perhaps not be on social media. So... Yeah. Maybe cards will make a big resurgence. And I'm not saying, by no, the way, that they've gone away. Personally. You doubt it? No. You don't think they will? No. That's sad. That makes me really sad to think that I won't receive Christmas cards. You'll receive some Christmas cards. From you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Only if you're a good boy. Just going back to shopping at Christmas, though, my final point on this is I wonder where we will be. Will we be shopping it physically, going out to buy presents in... 20 years time or do you think that will die out completely gosh that's a good question isn't it i think um i think what's happening in life generally uh and and business so if we if we say that shopping is part of business 
And it's, it's actually it's a very good analogy uh, in the accountancy profession, and I think this is a, a, an analogy I'll, I will use. I think what's happening in business because of technology and um, the fact that it doesn't really make any difference anymore where you are in the world to some extent, does it? You know, So I can look after a client in Singapore. I can email someone in Singapore as easily as I can someone in Cowbridge, you know. And I think what's happening is 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 businesses are polarizing. Is probably what I'd say. So if you take the accountancy profession, it's polarizing into two camps. You've got uh, advisors and cloud-based technicians. Let's let's call it that. So if you if you if you then say right, how does that relate to shopping? So my analogy there would be the advisors would be um, so the advisors would be the uh, the shops that still exist, uh, and the cloud-based technicians would be the online. Shopping, say right, that would be the yeah the parallel. So I think that um, there actually has been a, a resurgence, hasn't there? There's been a resurgence in certain products in terms of um, you know uh, people actually do appreciate the physical experience or whatever. So I think um, things like so uh, one thing I can talk about so. Uh, at Aspen Weight, we have been um, very uh, instrumental, for instance, in helping to revive uh, the historically very um, relevant market at Tredegar in, in South Wales. And, and that, that has turned out to be a great success. And um, we've been asked if we would help, um, help launch other markets in other Welsh towns. So I think that's... Uh, we also um, have a have a client, the Parsons knows, who um, who, who sell uh, thousands of pies and pasties and uh, and sausages uh, at various London markets every day and markets. So I think I think the sort of the, the, the sort of market experience, that very personal thing, um, is probably going to increase. So there's certain products I think that uh, are on the up. Um, Glastonbury might be. I don't know if you've ever been to Glastonbury. I've never been, actually, no. So when, when you, perhaps I'll take you one day when uh, yeah. you come over. So if you take Glastonbury as a town, which is which is a very important part of my life, to be honest with you. Um, so just as a, as a clue, this will be a, a good link into our first record, actually, talking about Glastonbury, if that's all right with you. Um, I, I feel the need, probably less than I used to, because things aren't as hard as they used to be. Um, you know, when, when, when business was really hard... Uh, I would probably go to Glastonbury at least every three weeks. Uh, Glastonbury has so Glastonbury is, is built on ley lines, several ley lines, and there's an energy about the place which is unique. You know, and, and, and uh, you, know, you may consider me to be insane, but I could I could tell you some very real, genuine experiences I've had in Glastonbury which are unexplainable. You know, in terms of feeling like you're floating above the world, for instance, sitting on the top of the tour. Well, I do want to go now. Yeah. <laughs> But just walking up and down the high street, and you've you've got people from all over the world, you know, literally, um, America, lots of Europeans, um, and the reason I say it, so it's, it's a very energy charged place, and um, the shops there are obviously quite unique. So uh, I don't know if you've noticed. So I've I've got a lot of um, stuff in in Ruba's house, like a Ganesha, for instance, which is a Hindu, is an elephant god. Uh, he sits. Uh, it, just outside my front door, uh, Ganesha's. Um, so if you were if you were to go into India, every single business would have a Ganesh. Uh, a Ganesh is there basically to ward off evil spirits and attract money. So I, I, I I'm a great believer in um, flow of energy and feng shui generally yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. 
So if you if you were to go to Glastonbury at any point in time, you'll find the high street bustling with people wanting to buy crystals, um, you know, sort of brass, uh, semi-religious things, I suppose. You know, so that that so you've got so I think we've got is you've got certain uh, product lines where it's very important the physical experience remains, and then you have other products where. Uh, there's almost no point. I mean, I I just can't see why I would want to go. Why would I want to go to a, a gents? I mean, don't get me wrong. If I was in like Sirencester, which is a lovely town, for instance, um, there's a there's a very high class uh, men's tailors there, and I would, if I was there, I would go there because it is there aren't very many you know high quality men's tailors around anymore. But I can go on Brooks. I can go on Brooks Avenue. I can order uh, exactly what chest I want. I can so you can actually order completely separately. The trousers, the waistcoat, and, and the jacket, for instance, right? And you can choose pretty much. So you take the trousers, you can choose probably about ten different sizes of length. Now you walk into uh, a gent's, you know, someone like Moss Bros or something. Uh, you know, you, you buy a pair of trousers, thirty-one leg. That's what it, you know. You basically either have twenty-nine leg or thirty-one leg. Uh, so why would you want to do that when you can go online and have more choice? I was trying to think about the the reasons why people would go out, like you say, why would you, why would you go out and buy stuff? What's the difference? And one of the things that I thought I thought of were when I shop online, you 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 almost have to know what you're looking for. You can browse through online, it's um, but you you need to have an idea of what you're looking for. And perhaps one of the, the reasons why shops and retailers still exist is because people can go in and actually browse and and be shown and it's almost sold things and think oh yeah there's an idea for Christmas there's an idea I'm going to look around the shops so I wondered whether in the future if that was the, the the reason that people still go to shops whether we would see perhaps some sort of VR headset where you could from your house actually put it on and you could walk let's say you wanted to go to um, a certain high street Taunton or somewhere like that wherever you might go and you'd go you'd go in and you'd actually be able to walk down and choose which shop you're going and actually look around so it would give you those same ideas as going yeah, well, I think you know I think that would work um, I suppose not to, not to lose the link so today's a Christmas theme show we're actually going to play two uh, two tracks today so uh, the first track I've chosen today is um, solstice spells by Jethro Tull so I don't want to get too far away from the Glastonbury um, uh, relation there. So um, why have I chosen this? So um, this is probably one of the few uh, popular, what you might call pagan carols, Christmas Christmas songs. And um, you know, without wishing in any way to be uh, sacrilegious or anti-religious, which, which I'm not, in fact, very interested in religions generally, um, I think it's obviously important to uh, acknowledge that Christmas is a pagan festival. Um, so it's, it's, it's Christmas has existed for thousands of years, and um, I actually, uh, if you if you look at the Christmas uh, Asperwick Christmas magazine, I've actually got a pagan Father Christmas on my page. Uh, deliberately, I said to, so. I went onto the web and showed Ross the difference between a, a sort of a conventional ho 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 red jacket Father Christmas and a and a more of a Glastonbury Father Christmas, shall we say? So. Um, as, as someone um, who is very much into the Glastonbury experience in all respects, I'm a great believer in nature, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, uh, at the same time you have life and death. So you might have a, a zebra being ripped to pieces by, sorry to be horrible at this, a zebra being ripped to pieces by a lion in, in the Serengeti, uh, and at the same time a, 
uh, a baby rabbit is born. You know, both things are true, and that's what nature is all about. So, I, I I I passionately believe in in nature and all that sort of thing. So, uh, the solstice bell song uh, means 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 a lot to me. I think it's uh, I just like the way I like the, I like the sort of folk the whole folky uh, nature of it. You know how the instruments are played, and it's just a really good song. So. Now, the first track we're going to play today is Solstice Bells by Jeff Rotol.
So we have another Christmas song coming up a bit later in the podcast, which I'm looking forward to as well. And on today's podcast, there's a very small yeah. Christmas quiz. I say very mm. small because there's only two questions. <laughs> but it's still a Christmas yeah. quiz. Fantastic. So we were talking about Christmas and how retailers are having to put so much more effort into in now because there is so much more choice. And one of the things that I really enjoyed researching for this podcast was the Christmas adverts. And they were very different this year. I don't know if anybody noticed, but they were very different this year. Uh, last year, they were focused on product and realism. And there, there was all sorts of backlash towards them and um, again, the stats say that they, they didn't work. It was a really poor year. We mentioned it was the poorest year for 10 years for retailers. So they had a bit of a change this year. And instead, we've seen, we've seen a, a Santa's origin story set in Victorian <laughs> Britain. Uh, we've seen a, a time-travelling grocery delivery van. We've seen Mariah Carey and an overexcitable dragon. Um, so there's so much more emotion in the advertising this year uh, compared to last year. And I was really intrigued by how these ads were received um, after that dismal performance last year. Now, interestingly, the critics claim that Audi have won six out of their nine categories of which they mark these adverts in the way that they do this year. And uh, if you haven't seen the Audi advert, it's the one that uh, features the festive mascots, Kevin the Carrot and (laughs) Russell Sprout. And Russell Sprout is, of course, um, the villain. Now, what intrigued me about this, and and one of the things I wanted to ask you, was the key measures by which they judge these. There's nine of them. I'm just going to quickly read them off and then get your thoughts. So the first one is, is the ad enjoyable? Second is, how emotional does it make people feel? Three is, does it grab people's attention? Four is, will people remember the brand? Five, will it be immediately motivating in the short term? Six is, will it create branded memories, which I found quite interesting. Uh, Seven, does it create warmth and love for the brand? Eight, does it make the brand feel different to alternatives? And nine, and very importantly, number nine, does it celebrate the joy of Christmas? So they're they're the criteria of which these adverts are, are... critiqued and it's quite interesting to see where they're trying to shape them yeah yeah from a, from from a from a, a person who obviously advises um advises business on on market positioning and branding um you might notice i've used the word several times today one of my favorite words is relevant so i think yeah. you know so in this context the christmas advert has to be relevant in my opinion it's got to be relevant so um it's all very well producing a beautiful video. Um, it might look fantastic, have wonderful imagery, but if it actually doesn't achieve anything, it's something we were talking about yesterday, you, me and Ross, you know, about it's all very well, for instance, us to invest in a recording studio. And then there's quite another thing to actually say, well, why are we doing that? So it's the same point, isn't it? Yeah. You produce, you produce an advert, it's got to be for a reason, isn't it? So I think, you know, principally I would say, it's probably a word I would put down. I know it's not the, uh, the, the award criteria, but one of the reasons that I advertise in market is what I would call affirmative advertising or marketing. It's, a, it's, a, it's an affirmation. It's, uh, so, for instance, we, we um, are very proud to have a 40-foot electronic banner at the Principality Stadium last Saturday for the Wales-Barbarians um, match. Uh, and I did that on purpose because I wanted to say to Wales, we are here. We are here. We're not going away. We're only going to get bigger. 
Yeah, it's a powerful statement. Yeah. I, don't, I'm not gonna, I don't expect to get any business out of it. You see what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's got. It's not. It's got. It's not. It's not been done because I'm. I'm expecting to get a customer. It's. It's to impress. It's to affirm. You know. So I think. I think probably with a Christmas ad. I mean, for me, probably the, the definitive Christmas ad for, for me would probably be. Um, is it the Pepsi or Coca Cola one? You know, where they go. Holidays are coming. Holidays. You know, you get the the truck with the Santa. You know, that's. Yeah. To me, that that is visually impactful. It's nice to watch. You've got the sort of ho 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 feeling, but it's unmistakably about the brand, isn't it? You've got no doubt what the brand is. You wouldn't sit there and think, "Oh, is that about Sprouts or Coke?" You know. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think um, no, I, you know, I, I think I think uh, the criteria are very interesting, and I would agree with them actually. Yeah, very, that very powerful um, the Coca Cola ad. I'm trying to think how long that's been around. It's certainly since I was a child. I can't. Yeah. Remember, I, I, I wouldn't like to put a number on. At least twenty years, I would think. Yeah, very long time. Um, interestingly, you mentioned there about how powerful uh, those adverts are uh, in some of the um, some of the adverts. For example, John Lewis. Uh, some of the criteria which they marked down on were the fact that people didn't know where who it belonged to. So the excitable dragon, for example, it's a great advert. It plays on people's heartstrings. It's, heart not, relevant, it? it's not relevant at yeah, all. Exactly. Um, John Lewis's Christmas advert cost seven million pounds to make, but there was an advert this year that's given it a run for its money, and it cost just a hundred pounds to make it. Uh, it's been called uh, the uh, the most life affirming Christmas advert of 2019, and it was made by a tiny family run hardware store in Wales called Havard Hardware. Um, I've shown it to you this morning. Yeah. It's a little boy that wakes up, uh, brushes his teeth, eats his breakfast, uh, he goes to work, then he opens up the shop, fixes a broom, cleans the counter, restocks the shelves. Wraps a present. Yeah, wraps a present, serves the customer, switches off the lights, and at the end, when he doesn't lock up the store, as you pointed out, um, <laughs> he, the, the camera pans down as he picks up a Christmas tree, and when it comes back up again, it's actually uh, up. a 30-year-old man. Yeah. And the line simply says... Be a crid, uh, be a be a kid this or Christmas. Could be a crid, you could, could be, be a crid, but be a kid this Christmas. And it and it is a warm, uh, amazing Christmas advert. I felt really good about it. It made me think of playing with toys when I was younger. It's a nice song, beautiful, but nice, yeah. nice female singer with a very clear voice. It, it it does everything that you'd want to do. But we did talk about how uh, does that make you want to go out and buy a broom? No. <laughs> so, but so I didn't feel the advert was relevant to be honest with you. But then I guess. Is it for them? It's tongue in cheek. It cost a hundred pound to make. John Lewis cost seven million. Look what we've done, and it's actually better. Well, I think I think it was probably a very good advert in terms of raising awareness. One so of that's the, got to be a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But what I wanted to ask was if that was, let's say it was John Lewis advert. That exact advert was a John Lewis advert. The same tagline, but there was some toy or some something that they sold in that advert with the boy perhaps that he was carrying out i mean it might be for a christmas tree to buy a christmas tree but mm-hmm. if there was something else would that make it relevant to the, the their brand because they're trying to sell that toy maybe so the the I'm trying to just understand for christmas adverts i guess it's trying to understand what they're trying to achieve from it like you said coca-cola it's, it's we're here it's great it's branded well you know, at the, at, the, at the risk of being controversial, I wonder sometimes whether people actually think as much as they should. I mean, you know, I, I admitted to you yesterday, uh, it's, it's, I, and I've done this myself, it's all too easy 
just to get sucked into a mode of behavior or keep doing what you've always done and maybe not actually say, well, why am I doing this? You know, I've, I've gone through that several times this year and things. Well, why did I do that? Why, why did, you know, what, what, how was that relevant to actually what I'm trying to do? You know? So I, 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 I I would imagine with a business as large as John Lewis, um, is there actually ownership at the highest level? Do you know what I mean? Or is it is it more, we've got loads of money, let's go and spend £7 million with a big advertising company, right, who obviously has a vested interest in producing the most expensive media solution. Does that person who's producing that video actually really care? No, I'm, 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 maybe they, the answer is yes. I'm saying I'm just raising the question: Does that person actually care about whether John Lewis's sales go up or not? It's a really interesting point, and yeah. I think it, it's almost become a competition in itself just to produce a good advert, whether it's relevant or not, because everybody now does it. And there's there's a certain time of the year, maybe it's just me, that you think right, the Christmas adverts are coming. There's a big thing of, about it, and they all compete against each other. Um, It'll be interesting to, to see whether we could perhaps produce an Aspen Wake Christmas advert next year. Yes, we can. So you there know, we go. There's a challenge for ourselves. No, and again, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a snowflakey type person, but I am um, someone who genuinely cares about other people. So maybe John Lewis, um, ask, so this, is a bit, this is an interesting one to see what Ben Altham says to this. So why don't you keep your £7 million, don't spend it on advert, and actually buy 40,000 homeless people a uh, hundred pounds of um, of food, or or something, you know, or set up a charity for Christmas. It's a really good idea. Perhaps we should um, we should make a video in the summer, send it to them, and say, look, we've made you this video, and it's cost us one hundred and fifty pounds. But so you can give now um, six point whatever that is million pounds to a charity because it's your video. So you know, one of the things uh, that we're, we're one of the reasons why um, I support the Great British Expos. Uh, as the main sponsor, is one of the things that's a byproduct of uh, our investment is we have a number of soup kitchens and homeless shelters um, across the UK. And I, ha- I have to give uh, a massive plug to my great friends, Alec and Alison here, both of whom are giving up their Christmas day uh, to make Christmas meals for homeless people, uh, which I think um, does does them tremendous credit. And... Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm proud to know them, to be honest with you. And I think, you know, if, if you actually compare the £7 million for John Lewis with the £100 for the hardware video, then you couldn't say that John Lewis's was 700 times better, could you? Whatever the maths is. No, I would say that the hardware video was better anyway, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I think, you know, one of, one of the things which is important, and it goes back to relevance, and, you know, we, we, when we were talking earlier about evolving... Um, People, I think today, people actually, people are more um, sympathetic. People care. People don't want homeless people to be lying on the street with nowhere to sleep, you know? So maybe uh, some of the things that are going on at the moment in terms of marketing practice are, are outmoded. Just, just you know. I agree with that. And I say this genuinely and without getting too somber and too down. <laughs> I, I actually, at Christmas, and I know that, the comment would be, well, you could do something about it. It's a very difficult time because you, most people you know, have the family and, and there's things that you need to do. And it's, it is a difficult thing. And maybe it's, I need to be a better man to do it, to say, I'm not coming to the family dinner because I'm actually going to do do this other thing. But 
I sit there at Christmas and I do feel really guilty. It's not ha- it's not the happiest day in the world for me on Christmas Day because I do think about other people that are less it's fortunate. It's a long day anyway, I think, Christmas Day, yeah. personally. It's a very odd day. And, and so what a great thing that they do. And I, I really admire that. I just want to um, spell out how you could see this advert as well. I realise this is a podcast and you may not have seen it. Uh, seen it. So uh, Hafford Hardware Christmas advert. That's H-A-F-O-D. Yeah, and if you type that into YouTube, you can have a look at their video, and it is definitely uh, worth a view. One of the things I wondered is, could you make a case for potentially Hafford Hardware disrupting the Christmas advert market? I'm not sure that they have in the sense that they're going to take business away from John Lewis and Sainsbury's and, and Aldi, but they've tried to put their name in there and do something different. The, the reason I say that is because my next link is to uh, Disruptor, being disrupted <laughs> yeah. so you see where I was going hugely relevant um, one of the uh, things in the news this week I like to pick out a couple of things in the news and I, and I read an article that said Ocado the disruptor is being uh, disrupted uh, Ocado obviously extremely successful with their online uh, shopping business uh, their newest facility um, is really interesting you're like this the, the newest facility ha- workers have been replaced by robots uh, that can assemble a 50 item order in 6 minutes so, uh, you know, they're really on the cutting edge of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got contracts with international uh, grocers for their online operations. But this article goes on to describe how they, they, as the disruptor, are now being disrupted by other things. The challenges that they face, um, consumers increasingly uh, want to order their groceries uh, on the, and be delivered on the same day, which doesn't really suit Ocado's out-of-town warehouses and their, their business model. Uh, there's also... Um, American startup company um, that are now going into supermarkets and installing their own mini Ocado style warehouses. And this is partly because of what we were talking about, the space being created by the declining footfall uh, in supermarkets is mm-hmm. now allowing supermarkets to have mini warehouses inside, which would therefore mean that Ocado need to have another think. And then lastly, obviously, there are plenty of... Uh, Uber Eats and Deliveroo's <laughs> in the world and things like HelloFresh and, and Gusto that are produce food to be delivered uh, to your door. So Ocado being disrupted, Paul. Yeah, I made a bit of a joke to Ben earlier because um, because I um, probably do, I spend most of my time talking about disruption as a professional discipline. So I said to Ben, um, I don't think anyone should be allowed to write about disruption without my permission. So that was my little joke. Um, no, it's, 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 it's just... It just underlines to me, um, you know, it's a word that some people don't even know what it means. You know, a lot of businesses don't even understand what disruption is, but it is undoubtedly the single most important aspect of of sales, really, if, if, you, if you take sales in its widest level to include marketing. So um, one of the things that, I don't know whether Ben's going to kick me for, for doing this, um, but one of the things we talked about in an earlier podcast was the, the decline of Pizza Hut, for instance. Yeah, um, who who um, who in the uh, mid '60s just totally disrupted the UK food market. Uh, mainly, I would suggest because they invested in traditional Italian wood ovens, pizza ovens. So it was very interesting when you showed me the uh, the Sunday Times Fast Track 100 or whatever fastest growing companies. Um, that one of the top five companies is actually a company that makes pizza ovens. Which I thought was uh, was hugely interesting. Um, so on the one hand, you've got Pizza Hut 
um, failing to disrupt, losing massive market share going into administration, while at the same time, another company is actually one of the top five fastest growing companies in the UK, and it's making pizza ovens. How, how interesting is that? Really interesting. And, and as you say, it brings us on to the, the next article, which was the Fast Track 100. And yeah, you can see that, that, that it's, it's so important. And many, I showed you this, the list this morning, and you could make a case for all of those companies disrupting their markets. Well, it must be, you must have to some extent. Yeah, to, to, to be in that list. Um, you pointed uh, out there was uh, two golf marketing agencies, uh, a golf operator and a golf marketing agency inside golf the top four. Yeah. yeah which is quite interesting. And I thought it was very interesting, and, and I was pleased to see this, that the number one company is, is uh, a company that's involved in reusable bottles. So you've got a, a, a big recycling, uh, recycling theme, which, of course, Aspen Weight are uh, incredibly, um, incredibly proud to be part of that initiative, both in terms of advising our clients and, and, uh, and recycling ourselves. Yeah, the really interesting list. It was in the, published in the Sunday Times this week, and it actually gives you a, a column as well of interesting facts about the company. It gives you all the figures as you'd expect from the Sunday Times business pages of their growth, etc. And, and they've ranked them in order of their growth, the fastest growing companies. Um, you can have a look at that uh, should you wish online. Uh, one thing I wanted to go back to just with the uh, Accardo, um article just to make it really relevant to what we're talking about so that we're not glossing over uh, an article as such if if you're ricardo and you're seeing the challenges and the changes i assume a company that's been as successful as they have i think they're uh, I've, I've written their turnover here but certainly you know well in the um you know market value of 9.36 uh, billion it's their big company um they would be constantly trying to think about disruption in the way that they well, were going to then come back. You'd like to think so, but Kodak didn't, did they? So Very, yeah. And we talked about that in a previous podcast as well. In fact, in your talk. Mm. That was in your talk. So Fourth biggest brand that failed. So Yeah, maybe not. So, Ocado, watch out. Also, I'm just going to mention that um, Sam Chambers was the person that, that has written that article. I'll get his email address. You need to have a word with him and say, look, if you're going to write that again, you need Sam to Sam will be very grateful to you, Ben, I'm no doubt. Yeah, going to come, going to come <laughs> through me. Right, we're going to get on to Christmas songs in a moment. Another Christmas song that we're going to play. And we've also got a very special podcast in two weeks' time, just in time for Christmas in which we're going to select a, a number of Christmas songs. So we'll talk about a few different things as well, but we're going to um, compile our list of, what we're going to say, top 20. Well, you're the boss. Top 20. Let's do top 20. We'll, we'll compile a list of the top 20 songs. I'm not sure how many I'll be allowed in there, because, Paul, you're a very big fan of music, and you've got a, I'm sure well, you've got I think, a lot. You know, we'll, we'll operate a, a, a mini-democracy for that week, I guess. Uh, I look forward to it. As long as I get more than you. Okay. Yeah, or else I'll sulk. <laughs> And of course, the other thing, but very excitedly, just to just to plug, because because otherwise, uh, the Aspen Weight head of media may not allow me to do this. Um, next week, uh, we've got a really exciting uh, schedule on Friday. So Steve Rogers, son of uh, the iconic Paul Rogers, he being lead singer of Free and Bad Company, uh, voted uh, by the Hall of Fame or whatever it is, uh, the fifty fifth greatest male singer of all time. Um, and I think anyone, if, uh, I think anyone who, who grew up uh, when I did in the in, in the sort of late seventies, really, when I was a teenager, um, Paul Paul Rogers singing all right now has got to be one of the definitive and iconic performances of all time. 
not least. So uh, I hope Steve's not listening to this because, uh, uh, it, it, you know, Paul Rogers is so obviously stoned uh, while he's singing as well. So if, if he wasn't, I'm very sorry for saying that, but he, he appears to be to me. Uh, he's just got such a, a wonderful voice. So uh, we're very lucky to... Um, Steve Rogers has a very strong association with Mark Carey, um, our chief executive in, in the southeast. Mark also runs Deal Community Radio and has very strong links with music um, and all sorts of other uh, media things, actually. So we're very fortunate that Steve is actually playing at our Christmas party next week, which yeah, is, which is fantastic. Uh, and, we, and we're having the opportunity to interview him uh, next Friday afternoon. So that's uh, you know, another big step in our media world, Ben. Yeah, really exciting. And that we'll, we're going to release as a, a mini podcast as well. You'll be interviewing him uh, next Friday. That will be out next Friday afternoon. And then we finish with the, the Christmas special on, on the 20th, just so that you can, you can put us on on Christmas Day where you're having your dinner. And, or, Feel, and feeling the love. Yeah. Especially if, from Ben with his chocolatey voice. Or if you're like me, you can, you can put it on when you're taking the Christmas decorations down on Christmas Eve. Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas Day Eve. No, I think you should, t- I think you should disrupt Christmas by, by taking them down one minute after you put them up. Yeah, maybe. That would be, be fantastic. People trying to just finish off their Christmas pudding and I'm... I'm pulling them down. You can set a range of black Christmas trees with with black lights and. Before we get into Christmas music, I, I've got another question for you. Then, a real Christmas tree or one of real the fake Christmas ones? tree? Yeah. Real Christmas tree. I knew you would be. I just had to check. Okay, so Norwegian spruce. You can give us the even give us the type. Mm. There we go. If you're looking for a Christmas tree, so we'll do more of this next week uh, in two weeks' time because we're going to talk about um, Christmas music and we're going to play lots for you. But I've got two questions. It's, a, it's an unofficial Christmas quiz. This is your smallest quiz of all time. It is. Two questions for you before we play our last uh, Christmas track today. So the official top 20 biggest selling Christmas songs. Before I asked you this, this is UK based <laughs> and it's based on songs being sold and their chart positions at Christmas. So, that, so what do you think the biggest selling Christmas song of all time, a chart based question and they have to obviously would be released at christmas well i would i would think that merry christmas everyone by slade would be right up there interesting um i'm just looking at my top 20 and it's not in there no but it's a this is almost i want to say trick question because i wouldn't want to get you like that but i'll get i'll give you the list now so the number one was band-aid and do do they know it's christmas from 1984. Mm-hmm. Number two, and this is where you're going to see it was a slight cr- trick question, was Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. because it was released at Christmas. Oh, that's fine, isn't it? Um, Wings and Mull of Kintyre. Yeah. I don't know why, but I imagine you're doing a really good rendition of that. <laughs> yeah, well, you can imagine all you like. <laughs> it was a cue. That, um, well, it's also, crap, isn't it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> also in there, the Beatles, Whitney Houston, there's a few. So they're not just Christmas. What was the Beatles track? Uh, the Beatles track that was in there was I Want to Hold Your Hand. It was from mm. 1963. But yes, in um, Slade's Merry Christmas, everyone, was in fact uh, in number 11. So um, there you go. It was in the top 20. So I'll give you half a point for that, Paul. Um, the last question is not chart-based and not UK-based, it's worldwide, uh, what is the biggest-selling Christmas song of all time across the world? White Christmas? certainly is. Bing Crosby. There we go. So you got one and a half points. <laughs> I knew you'd get that one. From we- the film called Holiday Inn. Yes. Not, not White Christmas. There's one for you. Yeah. 
It's like everyone thinks that Alan Jones sang The Snowman. But will White Christmas make our top 20? You'll have to tune in in two weeks to find out. And I'll tell you something, Alan Jones and Walking in the Air will definitely be in there. Ah, but I just told you he didn't sing it in the in the Snowman film. But I like his I like the version, so that's going to be a discussion for us. I think Peter Autry's version is better. Yeah, we'll go away and have a think about that. Mm. But we've got one more Christmas song before we go. Yeah, so the final song today is what what I consider to be the best Christmas song of all time. Certainly, uh, pop songs. You've got you know, uh, in terms of Christmas music, I've actually started to get into the Christmas mood yesterday so i listened to uh, one of the greatest pieces of music of all time yesterday which is phil Spector's christmas album which is uh for me the definitive piece of christmas music uh renette crystals darlene love people like that absolutely sensational so ahead of its time early 60s beautifully produced wonderful voice so definitive sound so for me that's uh that is that is cracking um but Greg Lake, who uh, was um, from, um, uh, what's, what do you call him? Uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer. Emerson Lake and Palmer, who were a very, uh, very famous worldwide uh, prog rock band. Um, a lot of the stuff they did was was instrumental, actually. So it's quite interesting that Greg Lake uh, should should produce, well, you know, should, 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 should make what I consider to be the finest Christmas song of all time where he's actually taken a piece of classical music, uh, and, I, and, I, and I got it, it's, um, it's uh, something like Three Troikas or something, I can't remember now. Um, so any, anyone that can actually remember the classical piece of music, um, so it goes, ding, 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 ding. it's, a, it's um, something like Provocchia, Provocchia, whatever his name is, sounds like a, sounds like a chicken dish. Um, so it's a Russian composer's classical track that Greg Lake has effectively uh, turned into a, a great song, uh, I just love the um, the arrangement, and and actually he he, he actually has a sensationally good voice, uh, very baby faced, um, very baby baby faced chap, uh, lovely video sitting in the desert with with uh, a very Christmassy and camel type theme. Uh, I believe in Father Christmas, uh, absolutely knockout best song for me. So that's what we're playing out with today. And if you have any thoughts on this podcast today or indeed the top 20 Christmas songs that we are going to choose in two weeks' time, then it's podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk. Paul, thank you for your company this morning. Thank you, Chocolate Voice Man. And here's your track. There'll be snow at Christmas They said there'll be peace on earth But instead it just kept on raining A veil of tears for the virgin birth I remember one Christmas morning A winter's light and a distant choir And the peal of a bell and that Christmas tree smell Eyes full of tinsel and fire
a dream of Christmas They sold me a cyanide They told me a fairy story Till I believed in the Israelite And I believed in Father Christmas And I looked to the sky with excited eyes Then I woke with a yawn in the first light of dawn I saw him and through his disguise Christmas They said there'd be peace on earth Hallelujah, no 